Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Investec Property Fund pre-close update. All participants will be in listen-only mode. There will be an opportunity to ask questions later during the conference. If you should need assistance during the call, please signal an operator by pressing star, then zero. Please note that this call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Andrew Willer. Please go ahead, sir. Thanks, Claudia, and uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I think we're going to try and run through this fairly quickly. Um, I know we've been giving uh, a fair amount of operational updates and, and also updates around some of the corporate and, and de-gearing activity, so um, we'll try and try and avoid any repetition. But um, we start off with group highlights. I think number one, and it has been the key focus for the last six months, is the de-gearing flight path, and as you would have seen uh, in the announcement last week, that is now almost entirely complete. Uh, we've just got the refinancing of Pell, um, which will, will likely complete in mid-October, and that has progressed nicely. Two and a half billion rand of cash received through the de- deleveraging strategy over the last six months. So uh, we, we kind of put our mast out there, and, and I think we've delivered on what we said we would do. Last, there's just one last box to tick in the, in the next few weeks. Um, as you look over the, the last six months in terms of trading, Obviously, COVID has impacted the full six-month period, um, and so that is all in, in the numbers, and we'll talk to some of that a little bit later on. We do expect some improvement going into the second half, obviously with a lot of the retail concessions and discounts uh, and, and a lot of the insolvency or bad debt being taken in the first half, um, but we would expect an uptick of that or an improvement from that in the second half. Um, as you, again, would have seen last week, the payment of the, the H2 dividend relating to FY20 of about 39 cents. That took us up to 75% of distributable earnings for for that financial year. And the board will consider a further top of dividend, um, uh, you know, upon the successful refinancing in Europe, as well as just looking forward at the bonds that come back at us in December and, and assuming the status quo remains from an operating environment. Talking to the H1 numbers, uh, we, we do expect H1 distributable earnings to be down by between 30 and 35%. Um, if we unpack that a little bit, uh, South Africa at an NOI level will be down somewhere between 25 and 30%, uh, which equates to around about 170 million. Um, a lot of that is rent concessions. I think 50 to 60 million of that were, were rent discounts provided to retailers. Daryl will touch on that shortly. Um, obviously, longer void periods and, uh, and negative reversions. Again, Daryl will talk to some of the regears that we did in the first half that have led to a uh, short-term shortfall in NOI, but really drive home a sustainability of revenue going forward. And there's some nice deals that have been done there that obviously impact short-term earnings. Uh, I guess the story in the sector at the moment is around insolvencies, business rescues, and the impact that has not just on your void periods, but also on bad debts and recoverability. Um, and at the moment, we, you know, we've seen a, a fairly big tick up in that, and then variable costs uh, linked to leasing commissions and operating costs at the malls um, have ticked up. In the UK, uh, we haven't, or that U- the UK business hasn't paid a dividend out in this first six months. Uh, their earnings are, are still looking fairly healthy, only only set to come in at around negative 5 to negative 7% year over year. Uh, but the board of the UK business has been conservative in withholding cash. There's some unknowns around uh, three or four business insolvencies that have happened there. 
and uh, and as soon as they've got clarity over capex or refurbishment requirements, the board will look at what to do from a dividend perspective. Um, marginal pickup in our funding costs just associated with the bridge facilities that we had to extend on the back of the refinancing being pushed out from uh, from March April when it was expected to complete and got thwarted by COVID to where we think it'll complete in the next few weeks. And obviously that, all that negativity is really offset by the benefits of uh, of our European business. So, um, you know, with 95% plus cash collection and, and performing in line with business plan. So that really gives you a sense of, of where, we will, where we will be and the key drivers um, for H1. From a balance sheet perspective, we expect our LTV to come in at about 38% uh, post this refinancing. At 30 September, it probably sits at about 43%. Uh, short-term liquidity is well managed. We've got 1.4 billion of debt maturing over the next 12 months, and uh, to cover that, we've got 1.8 billion of unutilized cash um, or facilities. Offshore exposure is maintained at 33% of our balance sheet, and I think you're seeing the benefit of this diversified uh, investment. Uh, or, or balance sheet in terms of local and offshore as well as across the sectors. We've got 50% of the total balance sheet currently weighted towards logistics and warehousing globally with less than 25% exposure to retail, which we know has been um, hit the hardest over the, the pandemic. So I'll hand over to Daryl, who runs through South Africa, and then we'll pick up on some of the international businesses after that. Good morning. Um, Daryl here. So. Just to kick off, I say the uh, South African portfolio has navigated a very taxing operating environment with the business being terribly frustrated and constrained as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as a very weak dom domestic market which uh, preceded the COVID pandemic. Uh, having said that, our Exco team, our asset managers and their teams have performed in a commendable fashion, really maintaining the morale of the business, morale of the team, there's been a high degree of tenant interaction, and these activities combined have stemmed what we believe is a leakage of tenants and tenant income, and it's firmly controlled the fixed operating costs in the fund. There isn't more that we could have done as a team, so very proud of the business. Um, and it's within this context that I'd like to present just a high-level summary of SA with some further color across the three property sectors. So, as Andrew mentioned, and he often Talks, uh, talks to my hymn sheet here, so there's a bit of repetition, but we do anticipate a like-for-like -like base NPI decline of between 25 and 30%. That's again September last year, which was up 1.3%. Um, and that translates to a, a decline of between 175 and 210 million rand lower. Uh, it is driven by concessions, business failures, uh, and included in that is the EDCON um, restructure, as well as an increased vacancy across the portfolio. The property cons uh, expenses have been very controlled, but the cost to income ratio will worsen as a result of the factors driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, there's been rental concessions, increased vacancy with longer void periods, and we've got bad debts um, from tenant insolvencies and business rescue proceedings. The rental collections has been solid at 87% of contractual billings for the five months to August 2020. 83 million rands of concessions have been granted, which comprises approximately 55 million rands worth of discounts and 28 million rands worth of deferrals. Most of the discounts, 48 million rand of those discounts, has been provided to retail tenants, being our national retailers, SMMEs, retail line shops, and the restaurants. 
The debtors have increased by 20 million, uh, 21 million rand from March, from the March uh, FY20, which was at 74 million rand. So that takes debtors up to 95 million rand. Again, attributable to rental deferrals. And we've written off the year-to-date debtors written off as 55 million rand as a result of business rescue or uh, insolvency. Uh, the team has successfully renewed uh, or relet 66% of the expiring space during the first for, for the first half of 2021, with a further 102,000 square meters of early letting at a combined rental uh, reversion of a negative 13.3%, but a very low incentive level of only 2.1%. And we've always maintained a very low incentive level in the portfolio. 61% of the space expiring for the full year has been let, and we're in discussions over a further 126,000 square meters of space, um, which is uh, 57,000 odd square meters expiring during FY21 and 69,000 squares early letting for FY22. The enforced escalations are at 7.5%, and the early ex uh, lease extensions will impact uh, the NOR but provide the fund with long-term uh, lease tenure and sustainability. And I think the most notable across this portfolio has really been the regear of the MassMart leases, which was six builders' warehouses and three game stores, which uh, generate now a 10-year extension on 52,000 square meters uh, in the portfolio, and one mass cash, which is five, which has been extended about five years. Again, it talks to the robustness of this portfolio because um, it's every single mass mass mart store within our portfolio was regeared and this is a common theme across a number of retailers that we've spoken to uh, where we where our, our retail malls are performing in the top uh, in the top there is a top sector performance in their portfolios investec durban we've renewed a seven-year renewal at six and a half thousand square meters um, the vacancy will ex is expected to increase to 10 percent which was up from march 2020 which was at 3.5 percent Again, slowing, it was a slowdown in letting activity during the, uh, the lockdown. But approximately 5% of the vacancy is linked to business rescue and 5% uh, is currently under advanced negotiations. So we are quite optimistic and anticipate to reduce vacancies to around 6% 6, uh, 6 within the next three to six months based on the current letting negoti negotiations and the ac activity in the portfolio. If we give some color now to the sectoral performance, the office portfolio, the NPI decline uh, is approximately 20 to 25% year on year. Uh, again, September 19, which was uh, negative 5.1%, impacted by concessions, business failures, the voids, bad debts, and, bad debts, and the vacancy as a result of the slowdown in the leasing activity and the leasing market. Vacancies will, are expected to close at around 9% up from 6.9% in March, um, really attributable to one tenant uh, in one of our properties. And 62% of first half 2021 expiring space has been let or renewed. In the industrial portfolio, the NPI decline um, is approximately 10 to 15% year on year against September's, uh, September 2019, which was negative 9.6%. Uh, Again, due to increased voids and vacancy rates, there has been a short-term spike in the vacancy to 19%, which is up from 3.5% in March, uh, arising from business failures, delinquencies, and subdued demand and leasing activity over this period. Uh, that said, we are in advanced negotiations with over 40,000 square meters of space, which represents 8% of the vacancy, which will reduce 
the industrial vacancy to close to 11% if successfully concluded, and 50% of the first half expiring space has been let or renewed during the period. Uh, there is early letting of around 49,000 square meters, um, which is 10% of the sector's GLA, which will de-risk future income. As far as retail goes, as we expected, this, it was a sector that was f first hit and hardest hit, um, and it attracted the bulk of the rental discounts and the concessions. So we anticipate a decline in NPR between 30 to 35% year on year against September's, September 2019, which was uh, plus 3.8% mostly impacted by concessions. Um, the vacancy has increased to 5.2% since March 2020, which was at 1.4%, uh, really attributable to the expiry of one motor dealership of 6,500 square meters and some business failures. Of the 18,700 square meters occupied by EDCON, uh, 14,300 squares of that will be retained following the EDCON restructure. Um, leaving 4,400 squares in that portfolio becoming vacant. Uh, the sector is expected to have 95% of the space expiring during the first half of 21 uh, let, and um, we've seen a solid recovery in our semi-urban malls with the trading density rebounding to pre-COVID conditions. Um, and really what we've seen is an we're achieving 2% year-on-year trading density growth. So you've seen a, a decline in footfall, Footfall over April was 56% year-on-year down. It's now at 16% year-on-year down uh, against August, uh, but we are seeing an increased spend per head and it's reflecting in a higher turnover density in those, in those portfolios. And then just to conclude, I would say that there are defensive pockets within the portfolio. We're seeing uh, parts of retail are holding up well and looking at uh, quite recovering very well. Uh, pharmacies, supermarkets, homeware, uh, restaurant takeaway and restaurant deliveries um, are doing well. Our semi-urban malls are witnessing a, a marked improvement and we are of the opinion that the complete elimination of offices is not happening. Uh, there will be a different use for a while. Uh, new demand will be softer, but we are cautiously optimistic in that space as well. Thank you. Thanks, Daryl. Um, are you shifting up north and looking at Europe uh, from a logistics perspective? Certainly being the most resilient asset class within our business and potentially globally, if we look at where capital, both from a debt and equity perspective, is, is still uh, looking to be deployed. Um, so, the, And there has been an increased demand for logistics uh, across Europe. Um, structural drivers, I think we've mentioned that a few times around e-commerce, supply chains, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we're seeing the benefit of that being captured in our portfolio, and you'll see that through some of the stats uh, as I run through this. Uh, from an operational numbers perspective, it is tracking um, in line with our original acquisition expectations despite the volatility created by COVID, um, probably coming slightly behind uh, our, our original models, but not far off. From a leasing perspective, 21% of open va opening vacancy let um, of the space expiring in the first half, 97% of that has been uh, re-let or renewed at a 10% positive reversion. So again, just speaks to the, to the assets themselves capturing the structural shift in Europe and the, and the uh, performance of, of the uh, real estate across uh, the logistics sector. If you look forward at, at the full year, more than half the space has been uh, either re renewed or relet at a positive leasing reversion of 6%. So we're almost back to the old South African reversionary rates that we used to see a few years ago. 
um, and yeah, team doing a, a phenomenal job on the ground um, in terms of managing the business. Vacancy it remains low at 2.7% when you just strip out the two development properties that we effectively uh, completed very, very recently. Those are both done on spec. Uh, I think they both probably, uh, the one is about to be taken up in its entirety, and the one in Schiphol um, is probably at around 50% uh, left right now. And we, we, as part of the deal, we had two years' worth of rental cover on that. Uh, as I mentioned up front, average rental collections of 95% for the five months to August. The remaining 5% really down to one or two tenants uh, insolvencies was one tenant insolvency that they, they actually occupied two buildings um, and a total of 600,000 euros or 1.3% of our annual gross rental was given as rental concessions. Almost all of that was by way of deferrals or bringing forward some of the uh, contractual rent freeze and uh, of the deferrals already north of 50% has been recovered to date. So uh, limited bad debt risk there. I think uh, team-wise starting to bed it down nicely and look there's a lot of work to be done together with the team on the ground and with Europe more in relation to the finance and operations of the business across Europe as opposed to on the real estate side as you can see coming through the numbers um, and we hope to have that ironed out before the end of this calendar year. The UK business which just a reminder does only make up 4% of our balance sheet but a couple of, uh, a couple of key points remembering one it is a relatively small business um, overall, so I think the, the total asset value of that business is about 300 million pounds, and so some of these numbers, you know, are distorted because you haven't or that business hasn't achieved uh, scale yet, and so there isn't uh, the portfolio effect coming through in their numbers. Uh, the results for that business certainly impacted by a couple of insolvencies uh, that have that occurred towards the back end of uh, the last financial year as well as the beginning of this financial year. Um, so vacancy will tick up to 19%, which is a, a, high, a very high number, but it is expected to reduce significantly before year-end. Um, there are negotiations in terms of the business rescue process there that uh, look like they will yield some positive results. In terms of earnings, I mentioned that up front, it looks like it's negative 5 to negative 7, which is a lot more palatable uh, than what you've seen coming out of, say, the South African business right now. Uh, average rental collections of almost 90% and virtually no uh, discounts or concessions granted, only 0.4% of annual gross rental. The challenge there is the, the UK government has extended effectively a moratorium on, on collecting arrears or, or having a go at tenants for arrears and some of the big, um, the big retailers have taken advantage of that, including the likes of Boots, Superdrug and others. Um, and that ultimately is the difference between the 87 and the 100%. And again, as I mentioned up front, dividends currently being retained in the UK business um, until the business uh, rescues or insolvencies have been uh, worked through and we understand any capital requirements needed to, to get those properties relet. Um, and as a result, we have backed out 100% of the cash flow or anticipated cash flow out of our H1 earnings. And, and that's a key driver behind uh, where we think we'll land coming into the hard close in the next few days. From a balance sheet perspective, and, and I know this is like a broken record, but it is a good story. I think we set this out in February, and uh, and we are very pleased with the progress. Um, South African asset disposals, 900 million of proceeds. The sale of the Aussie stake, 800 million of proceeds. 
the sale of the 10% interest in the PEL platform that completed last week um, and that becomes effective 1 October for 40 million euros. The sale of the Belgian assets into the, the PEL platform at 70, just over 70 million euros and that will be transferred um, simultaneously with the refinancing, so later in October. And that is really the last piece of the puzzle being the refi. And, and as we sit here today, the targeted date is not too far away. And uh, we certainly are, are pretty confident that when we talk to the market in November, everything will be squared away. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the team has done an incredible job in terms of getting that um, to where it is today. As I mentioned, also from a debt maturity perspective, I think we are in a very good position. Only 1.4 billion coming back at us over the next 12 months. 900 million of that is this year, December, and we are in, in final credit process on pretty much all of that um, at the moment, and we expect to conclude that uh, early in Q3. Um, the acquisition bridge loans are 245 million euros uh, were extended earlier in the year to April 2021 to take some of the pressure off and align with the refinancing. Um, the vast majority of that is expected to be settled uh, either on the refinancing or together with the sale of uh, the 10% of PAL and the balance will be refinanced in due course. And uh, and I think that's pretty much it. From a covenant perspective, everything is, is very comfortable across across the various uh, regions and geographies and uh, from an interest rate perspective, um, we, we are well covered. If we just... Uh, I mentioned the H2 dividend up front, so I won't uh, cover that off again. I think the key there is that we will consider a further top-up dividend um, later on in the year, depending on the outcome of the refinancing and, and, a, and a few other things that I mentioned up front. And, yeah, to close in terms of where we, we see our earnings coming in at negative uh, 30 to 35% for this half, uh, again, primarily due to COVID and the fact that COVID impacted us for the full six months of this year. Um, you've had South Africa probably being the hardest hit, uh, and you've seen that in the vacancy number spiking to 10%. Just remember, half of that, that vacancy spike is linked to insolvencies and business rescue, but uh, there's good activity around at least half of that vacancy at the moment um, in terms of advanced negotiations. And I guess the results are offset to a large extent by Europe, which is well-positioned. Um, to take advantage of what's happening there. You've seen that in the in the reversions. There's more leasing coming back at us in the next six months, and we hope to achieve a similar result. Retail in South Africa is certainly recovering, as Daryl mentioned. We're certainly a long way off the lows of April, where footfall was down negative 56 and has recovered to, to, to negative 16, and we're seeing trading density growth now for the first time uh, in August. So that's a that's a positive sign. As I mentioned, vacancy is likely to improve, and we expect it to improve in both South Africa and the UK. You likely see the vacancy number in Europe continue to, to reduce, even though it's already low, as we fill up those spec developments. Um, in South Africa, the focus is on doing the right leasing deals. Um, so you've seen that through some of the re-gears with MassMart and Investec Durban. And in the UK, it's about cementing um, the, the refurbishments or repositioning of the assets to release. And that should drive some outperformance from a dividend perspective as and when the, when the board of that UK fund believes it's the right thing to do. So uh, I think that brings, brings us to an end. It has been a challenging first six months, still a few days to go. We hope we're uh, not going to have any surprises. But yeah, it's been, been a, a tale of, I guess, two stories in Europe and South Africa 
um, and slightly different in the UK too. So yeah, with that, uh, I guess it's over to Q&A. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchtone phone or on the keypad on your screen. If you decide to withdraw the question, please press star then two to remove yourself from the list. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then one. We will pause to see if there are any questions. First question comes from Moisho Nene from SPG Securities. Please go ahead, Moisho. Hey, guys. Um, I just joined a bit late. So I think I might have missed this. Um, did you give distributable earnings expectations for the first half of the year? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we anticipate that to be down by uh, 30 to 35% over last year. So... Okay. Look, um, to give you the exact numbers, the range there is somewhere between 46 and 49 cents per share, with a couple of decimals. Um, and uh, as I mentioned up front, the majority of that downside comes out of South Africa. Um, and it's offset then by Europe. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, just another reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one. If you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one. We will pause to see if there are any further questions. The next question comes from Lukman Hamid from 91. Please go ahead, Lukman. Maybe just two questions. So on your indicative RTV numbers for your, for your balance sheet, is that including property portfolio devaluation upcoming over the period or not? And then maybe you could give us an update on the PLI platform as well. So, uh, sorry, look, when I missed the second question. Uh, uh, update on the PLI platform as well, the, the industrial platform. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, the, um, look, we're going through a full revaluation process at the moment. I guess, remember, we did... We did report in May, and that, so our year end, even though it was 31 March, did take into account the fact that we were in a COVID environment. I think from memory, we wrote the SA asset base down by um, by a couple of percent. Yeah. Um, probably anticipate some worsening potentially in the retail space um, and potentially in the office space just over half year. but. Those, those valuations have all been pretty conservative. Again, if I look at what the average cap rates were across the, the sector or across the sectors in South Africa, that was in the nines. And we had both loosened the cap rates and loosened the income assumptions at 31 March. Um, so yeah, we're not anticipating um, enormous write-downs at, uh, at half year, but we are going through a full process and, and we'd expect that to be completed um, in the next few days, but we wouldn't, and we don't anticipate that having a material impact on LTV. In terms of Peli or the light industrial business, there hasn't been a huge amount of activity. I mean, um, I think we put another one or two million euros into that. Obviously, the focus was on closing off uh, the, the the logistics deal, which only closed at the back end of the financial year, and so both ourselves and Aries has, has been focused on um, kind of bedding that down, getting through completion mechanisms, et cetera, et cetera. I think there is a massive opportunity there. The pipeline for that looks very, very good. And 
and it, you know, they're just, it's very time consuming to close. I mean, it's the same amount of work to close a, a 10 million euro deal as it is to close an 80 million euro deal. Um, income wise, all tracking as expected, uh, reversions as you would, uh, nice, also nicely positive. Um, and in terms of income, or sorry, cash collections, I think it's, uh, again, from memory, if not the same or higher than where um, logistics was, so certainly in the mid to high 90s. Um, so, yeah, performing nicely, but, I mean, it's a, at the moment, I think it's a 10 or 11 million euro investment for us, so fairly insignificant. Thank you. The next question comes from Londiwe Butelezi from Fin24. Please go ahead, Londiwe. Thank you. Um, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. So you mentioned that half of the vacancy rate um, that you recorded is linked to insolvencies and business failures. So I would imagine that uh, a space occupied by Edcon would be part of that. But I want to get a sense of whether you actually, beyond Edcon, you experience more insolvencies and business failures from tenants just um over and above Adcon. And then in South Africa, you said that, you know, to improve the vacancy rate, you're looking at doing uh, the right listing deals like Masmat. So maybe if you can just give a bit of color of what you mean by uh, the right listing deals. Thank you. Uh, there's, there's one other tenant uh, insolvency, which was quite sizable. Um, it's in, uh, yeah, so I think at, at this stage it's about 6,000 square meters, which has a, a big impact on the vacancy. Um, and then it, insofar as the right leasing deals go, um, we secured tenure, a 10-year ten, ten lease profile out of uh, MassMart. And I think in an environment like this, um, you know, it is opportune to lock in, to lock in well. Um, and certainly if you're resetting now after, say, eight years in a 10-year profile, it's, no, it's very normal for somebody to be slightly over market by the time you're hitting, certainly by the time you're hitting an environment like this. So I think it's conservative on our, on our point uh, from our side. It's conservative. It was opportune uh, because MassMart themselves were looking at uh, restructuring their portfolio. So we work closely with our kind of these tenants. And uh, I think that what you'll see is a slight pullback in, you will see a pullback, a reversion in rent, but you, you, you'll gain it with a 10-year lease profile with a, with a company like MassMart. I think the most important thing is not throwing, we, we're not throwing uh, good money after bad here. You know, the key for us is, you know, we've got to preserve, we want to preserve businesses that are in here for the long haul. We wanted to make sure that tenants that were up to date prior to the COVID environment, we would work with them through COVID. And, and in some cases there, we also managed to extend lease profiles. So if we gave, uh, you know, one or two months rent uh, reduction or or concessions, we would make it up in in extension of leases. So it's you know it's not a it's it's not a one size fits all, but we we look carefully across the portfolio, and without mentioning tenant names, but we 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 we're dealing with three other regional tenants uh, or kind of smaller national retailers that um, it, it, it turns out that actually in our in our semi or our semi rural semi-urban malls, actually. They, we're in the top five across the portfolio. So it gives you an opportunity of resetting um, tenants that, you know, certainly we're not going to take what, what, you know, it's not a general approach to say, well, if they're giving X percent to the market, we should get the same. We're saying, well, if you're trading in the top five, then we need to be rewarded for that, and we work with them. So 
I hope that answers the question. Yes, it does. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is a follow-up question from Mwisho Nene from SBG Securities. Please go ahead, Mwisho. Hey, guys. Um, I just want to double-check this. Um, IPF did take the EdCon loss up front, right, regarding the 41% um, rental concession last year. So I want to confirm that the losses that you're reporting from EdCon are over and above this, or are you taking a different base? Yeah, that's correct. So we didn't pay for the equity. We took the loss. We effectively we rebased that rental from uh, the hundred, say a hundred down to sixty percent. So that's in the number. Um, and yeah, then you kind of lose one some outstanding rent that was I think was still due at thirty one March. Um, and then you obviously lose the the income uh, for the first couple of months of this year. Uh, in that trading update, there is a statistic there. That I think there was somewhere between 15 and 20,000 squares leased to EdCon. Uh, post the restructuring, you're going to be left with about 4,500 of vacancy, and the rest is being taken up by the new owners. And at the pre, at least at the pre, uh, the pre-discounted rate. So we're, yeah. we're reverting at least back to the the rate of 100%, and in some cases a little bit higher. Ladies and gentlemen, just one final call. If you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one. If you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one. We will pause to see if there are any further questions. The next question comes from Sheldon Keston from Kahiso Asset Management. Please go ahead, Sheldon. Hi, guys. Uh, two questions from my end. Firstly, if you could just remind us of your strictest um Debt covenants, LTVs, and ICRs. And then secondly, um, I know that the, P, the PEL refinancing, uh, you guys said, uh, due to be completed in around October. So can you provide any color of how that's progressing? Sure. So, yeah, the covenants are pretty standard. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to remember, be able to remember all of them across the different regions. Uh, but certainly at a group level, uh, LTV of 50 um, and ICRs are around 2. Um, and then in terms of the Pell refinancing, yeah, I mean, we literally, we're in the home straight, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a hugely complicated refinancing. Um, you just think about eight, you know, eight geographies. Um, you've got to try and get cross-collateralization across all eight. We could have kept them in individual SEVs, but you wouldn't get the benefit of that in the margin and, and in certainly in terms of some of the covenants. Um, so, yeah, I think the we've done the right thing. The, it, it, so you've got the two banks in the Ariel and Citibank. They've got syndication. That's well progressed. Um, you had legal documents in uh, the kind of home home stretch. The the, the bank's DD is almost uh, almost complete. Um, so that's across environmental, legal, financial, tax, you name it. Um, yeah. So we've got yeah kind of key key issues list that we're working through at the moment, um, and the expected completion date for that will be yeah, sometime in early to mid. October.
Thank you. The next question comes from Siren Naidu from MoneyWeb. Please go ahead, Siren. Good afternoon, Jens. Um, just two questions. Um, the line broke up a little bit. Just a refresher on the LTV position of the company. And then with regards to the UK, I know you made some retail acquisitions in the UK last year. Um, you did mention that it's only 4% of the portfolio, but where are the devaluations in the UK setting considering uh, vacancies being so high? Yeah, sure. So, Siren, on an LTV basis, we think we'll come in at around 43% at 30 September. And that will drop further to around 37, 38% post the refinancing. Um, so by the time we report to the market in mid-November, uh, we would expect that, that LTV number to be around 37, 38%. Um, in terms of the UK, um, the acquisitions, were, there were three small acquisitions made towards the end of last calendar year. Um, those were retail warehousing sheds leased out to go outdoors. They were small. I think the total... Um, asset value of those three units was around 15 million pounds. And uh, there was a much larger asset in Beckton, so just to the east of London, um, that was bought in January of 2020. That was around a 46, 47 million pound asset. Also retail warehousing underpinned by B&Q. But across those four, so Beckton and the three guard doors, they were acquired with a view to convert them down the line into last mile logistics. Um, the Beckton asset continues to perform well. I mean, B&Q has actually um, done quite nicely over over COVID. As, as been, people have spent more in, in terms of uh, home decor and the like. Guard Doors is now in business rescue, and we're in negotiations with them uh, with the new business um, and the new owners around what rental levels will be for Guard Doors. That is coming out of business rescue or business, business administration over there in the UK. In terms of the, the vacancies, They've been driven, it's kind of across the portfolio, less so in the retail. I mean, if you back out, go outdoors, there's probably one one other smallish vacancy up at uh, the retail center in Great Yarmouth. But the rest, there were just one or two vacancies that took place in the light industrial parks that surround London um, and the M25. And that's why we think the... Um, we expect that vacancy rate to come come down quite significantly over the next six months. Those those are well positioned properties, um, and and they're attracting good interest. I mean, just go look at some of the leasing stats that those those assets specifically attracted in the last financial year. I mean, they were eye watering positive reversions. Um, we haven't seen the external valuations come in yet from the UK. Um, I think we would expect uh, or at 31 March, they took quite a, a big knock at 31 March for COVID. So we had done valuations at 28 February and we updated them again at 31 March for COVID. And from memory, it was about 11 million pounds that was knocked off the 300 million of asset value. Um, and so I think we've taken quite a big knock for that already. Um, I'd expect it to come in probably a little bit off uh, coming into 30 September, but I'd be surprised if it was materially off, given that we took quite a big hit at 31 March. Thank you. Andrew, we have no further questions in the queue. Can I hand back to you for closing comments? Yeah, sure. So thanks, thanks, guys. I guess uh, we're into close, and, and uh, we'll look to close out on the, the PEL refinancing. That is critical, but 
eyes are 100% on the leasing frontier in South Africa. Certainly, life is starting to pick up again, and you've seen that in some of the stats. Um, hopefully, we've got a lot more colour by the time we speak to you again in, in mid-November. But you're mildly positive about what the next six months holds, even though it, it's certainly a challenging. Biggest risk for us is around um, is around bad debts and, and how companies survive uh, survive the, the current environment. But I think the quality of our underlying real estate has has uh, come to the fore here, and certainly the diversified balance sheet the split between South Africa and Europe um, has worked quite nicely. But yeah, that's it from us, and look forward to uh, talking to you again in November. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's conference. Thank you for joining us. You may now disconnect your lines.